I want to speak on something kind of, I'm shifting a little bit, but it's kind of on the same thing I talked about this morning. It's something that God has put in my heart. Primarily, I'm, I probably say I'm more of a revivalist because I'm trying to stir the church up. I travel a lot. I see what's in our churches, and boy, we need revival. In fact, I don't even know if we need revival. We need reformation. Reformation goes on revival. Revival revives something. You can't re- we call revivals reaching this unsaved. That's not a revival. You can't revive something that's never been vibed. Revival's for us, right? But sometimes we need reformation. The problem is why we don't want to be reformers because most reformers were burned at the stake. Many of them were. John Huss was one of the biggest reformers in Czechoslovakia. He was burned at the stake. They were burned because they were reformers. They said, we've got to change the whole thing from the bottom up. And I believe that God's bringing forth reformers, that the church is going to come alive. The church is the apple of his eye. He's going to do something with it. And I, I know the verse well where, the, where Jesus said, there will be a falling away. I cannot take that away that is true. But what I'm trying to help is that you don't fulfill that verse. That you're not going to fall away. That you're not going to become just churchy. But the life of the Spirit's going to rise within your heart and you're going to make a difference. Amen? So tonight I want to talk about something that's very significant for each and every one of us. I believe it's in the Word of God. Would you take your Bible and turn to Psalm 146? I want to look at a couple of scriptures that I just want to talk to you tonight. I feel tonight we could go home if nothing else happened and God's done something in the house, amen? But there's something I want to share with you tonight, for just not tonight, that will stir something in your heart, believing that God has brought us together this night for something very significant. Psalm 146, we find here that the psalmist is speaking. I'm not going to read it all. But Psalm 146 was probably written to those who needed the help of the Lord. The help of the Lord. If we'd all be honest with ourselves tonight, what we go through in life, we need the help of the Lord. As my wife said, all of us have gone through battles. We've all had struggles. There are times when my back has been up against the wall and I said, God, I don't know how to get out of this. But it's amazing how God can always bring you through. And so this psalm was written as an encouragement to those who are crying out to the Lord for help. And I wish I could read it all, but I want to read one verse. And I'm going to start in verse 7. Here's what he says talking about this God who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Watch that now. I'm looking at that line. Who gives food to the hungry. God is not one that just hands out anywhere. He qualifies it and says he gives food to the hungry. If there's something that God's looking for today, are you hungry? The reason many times we don't receive is because somewhere we've lost our hunger. And he qualifies it here. God, in the midst of your struggle and battle, wants to give you something, but he's going to give it to those who are hungry. Then go to Psalm 107. We find that it's spoken here in a little bit different, but I think it's very significant that we get a hold of it. We find in Psalm 107, here he's talking about those that need deliverance in their lives. I'm not talking about just demonic deliverance. I'm talking about any deliverance. You feel you're being pressed, you're being pushed, and there's no way out. You need deliverance. And so this psalm is given to those that can break free. And I I haven't got time to read it all again, but look what he says in verse 9. Talking about this God whom we serve. For he satisfies the longing soul. Now let me qualify it again. He didn't say, I will satisfy your soul. He said, I'll satisfy the longing soul, the one that's desperate for me. Then he goes on and says this, 
at the latter part of that verse, and fills the soul with goodness. Is that what he says? No, he doesn't. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. Again, we find that he identifies who is going to be filled. The one who is hungry. Then Jesus spoke, and I want you to go to one more with me, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, the crowd had gathered together in Matthew chapter 4 because they saw what Jesus was doing, signs and wonders and miracles, supernatural things were happening. And they gathered together, as we know, the Sermon on the Mount. As they gathered together, they were looking for more, for more miracles, more things that would happen. And Jesus sat them down, and he began to teach them the Beatitudes. In other words, many times we're trying to change an action in a person when we first got to change the attitude. If the attitude is changed, the action changes. If I'm in a disagreement with my wife, if you change my attitude, my action towards her changes. Am I right? Come on now, you've been married a long time too. Am I right? If you change the attitude, it changes the action. You know, sometimes we don't agree with one another. I remember one time we were going down, we were shopping, going down the street, and and uh, I was a little bit annoyed. I don't know, something she did or whatever. And I was just annoyed. And she stops and looks in a store. And she said, man, that dress looks nice. And she wants to go in and try it on. And, and I, uh, she said, I, I like to get it. No, we're not getting it. You got enough dress. You don't need another dress. Another, you don't need it. And I was kind of agitated. But when I'm in right relationship with her, we might be walking down the street and we're joining our company with one another. She said, look at that dress. I like that. I said, Gloria, it's 500 bucks. Why don't you get it anyway? See, do you know what changed? My attitude. When my attitude changed, it changed my action. What God's looking for in the church, that our attitudes get changed. If we get our attitudes lined up, our actions are going to change. Are you with me? And God wants to do something. So Jesus now, as the crowd gathers together, and looking for another sign to wonder, and I'm not putting it down, we need that. But he recognized that the, what they needed was something deeper that was within. And so he begins to give them what we know as the Beatitudes. And I can't go through them all, but I want to go to the one that you know I'm probably going to talk about. He says this in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Father, take your word tonight. Speak to our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. A while back I was speaking at a major conference in Vancouver. In fact, it was for Campus Crusade. It's several hundred young men and women from across this nation gathered together. We're ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ in our major universities and colleges across the land. There was hundreds there. I was the main speaker that particular year. I'd spoken on Thursday, Friday, a couple times I think on Friday, and on Saturday I had to close. Uh, I was the, uh, the afternoon speaker because it closed in the afternoon because everybody was flying home. I gave it my best shot to, to stir up that young generation to get into our colleges. Where everything seems like in our colleges, trying to steal God and rob God from everybody's life. And God has put these young men that have given, and women that have given their lives to go into our colleges and say there is another way, there's an alternative. And so I was challenging them not to give in, not to just tiptoe through the tulips, but believe they can make a difference. I'd give it my best. In fact, I gave so much to try and challenge them, I was totally exhausted. I had to be taken to the airport. I was catching a red eye to fly back to Halifax because I had to speak the next morning in my own church. When I got on the airplane, I found my seat and I sat down. And, and this might sound awful to you, but most times I'm trying to be open and talk to people about the Lord wherever I can have an opportunity. But this particular time, because I was exhausted, worn out, 
I said, Lord, I don't want to talk to anybody. So please, don't put someone beside me that wants to talk about nothing because I didn't want to talk. I wanted to get some rest because I knew when I hit the ground, I had to go right from the airport to the church, and I had to speak that morning. I got in there, I put my seatbelt on, a person beside me, I kind of ignored them a bit because I didn't want to start a conversation because they didn't want them to talk to me. You might think, well, I wasn't in very spiritual. Well, I probably was in that moment, but I recognized I needed to have some sleep. And so I snuggled in, the plane took off, and the plane was barely in the air, and two rows in front of me, there was a mother with a baby. And that baby, I then began to howl, nonstop. I mean, it was, I, I couldn't believe how, I said, how come that mother's sitting there not doing anything about it? And, and, and it, 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 I was agitated. I thought, I have a right to sleep. I paid big bucks for this seat, and I don't want no baby bugging me. I'm trying to get sleep, or I'm going to be grumpy when I preach tomorrow. <laughs> and I was agitated. And the more agitated I got, I never said anything, the more agitated I got, the louder the baby cried. <laughs> and that agitated me a little bit more. And things were going through my head. I said, why don't they throw that baby out? <laughs> I said that one church, the person goes, I can't believe you said that. I, I, well, I said, hey, can't you just take a little joke once in a while? But, 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 but that's how I felt. Are you with me? And that baby kept on crying. And suddenly, the baby stopped. That alerted something in me, and I undid my, my seatbelt, and I looked down to see what was going on, and I saw a mother. I don't know any other way to say that, but she opened up her blouse. When that baby muckled on, everything changed. Listen to me, church. That baby was not trying to make a nuisance. That baby didn't care if the prime minister was on the plane, didn't care if a minister was on the plane. It didn't care about you one little bit. That baby was putting its hunger display because it desperately needed something. Now listen carefully, listen carefully. I'm in this mode where I'm kind of grouching, whatever, and I didn't want to hear. And in that moment, I was not trying to be spiritual. I was not even trying to tap in. But at that very moment, God spoke to me. He put me in a situation that probably brought one of the greatest truths to my life. In fact, it's a series. I'm going to try and preach a whole series in, in the next few minutes tonight because I'm not, I can't hit all, all, all of it. Am I banging away here? I, I can't get it all to you tonight. But what God taught me, God spoke to me and said, Ted, what you just saw is one of the greatest problems in the church of Jesus Christ today. And suddenly I began to realize that we have stopped putting our hunger on display. But if we start putting our hunger on display, we'd be amazed how many times God will walk in and do supernatural things. Supernatural things. Because we've become so dignified. We've become so nice. I'm not talking about being weird. I'm not talking about doing foolish things. But I tell you, when you're desperate, it's amazing what you will do. And that baby, the only way it knew it could get attention, that it needs something because the baby is hungry, it had to put its hunger on display. And we come to church week after week and never put our hunger in play and something's dying on the inside. Something has been paralyzed when God brings us into his house and all he's looking for, he says, I want to do something, but where is somebody willing to put their hunger on display? Lord, the enemy has silenced us. 
Like I said this morning, we've lost our amens. The enemy is silent that we can't break forth. And something began to stir in my heart that I realized God was saying something to me for the church. I believe it became a prophetic word that I, I, I ministered quite a few times. As I said, it's a whole series because I felt in my own life too, I come to the point that I want God, I want to serve God, I don't want to walk away from God, but I come to the point that I was not desperate many times to put my own hunger on display. Because we want everybody to think well of us. We want everybody to think everything's okay. Many times when I give an altar call, there's a every time pretty well, there's a hesitation. You know why there's a hesitation? There's people I know that were touched by what I said. Could happen to every pastor, but what I, what I said. But here's what we do. We sit in church, and we say, we're going to give a call to come to the altar. And so we know, God, that's me. I need that, man. Lord, I, I just can't. I, I need that. I just, I got to put my hunger in But I open one eye and see if someone will go first, <laughs> then I'll go. If you're hungry, you don't care who goes first. When you're hungry, you'll be like that little baby. That baby didn't care it was disrupting my little seat on that plane. That baby didn't care if it disrupted, disrupted the whole plane. That baby was willing to put its hunger in display, and mom got the idea what this baby is hungry, and if I feed it, the baby will calm down. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Many times, if you put your hunger in display, you'll be amazed what God will do. So tonight, for the next few moments, I want to speak as fast as I can. You're going to hang on because I'm going to go fast because I'm going to give it all to you with both barrels, okay? I want to speak on the subject, putting your hunger on display. Because is there anything that God's trying to resurrect in the church? It's put our hunger on display because it moves God. It moves heaven for God to do something for us. And I've watched it happen many times as I've been out on the road now seeing God do supernatural things that I never imagined could happen because somebody was willing to put their hunger on display. That I don't care what someone thinks, I'm going to do it and believe that God's going to do something within my life. There's a sound that's in the earth right now. To some it might be loud, to some it might be faint. But there's a sound that God in this day is looking for those in his church who are truly hungry. He's not going to come and lavish himself on somebody that has no desire. And so God is seeking to and fro where there's a sound that he's looking for those that are hungry. Religious fears, as I talked about this morning, like to get in and think, well, that's somebody else that's not me. But I'm sure, with you and myself included, that many times I wonder how many times we have not received because somewhere we were intimidated to put our hunger on display. Sometimes we have to get radical and make a difference. You see, what I found out, let me just build on this for a little bit, what I found out when God wants to do something in our lives, there are two reasons why he wants us to, put our, to hear the sound and put our hunger on display. Because the farther we get from our first encounter with God or from a refreshing encounter, things begin to change. It's not that we are weird. It's just that somehow we get kind of familiar with things that we need to be refilled, restirred, that God can do something great within our spirits. And the farther we get from that, things change. We start to focus on our activity instead of our relationship with God. Number two, 
We start to focus on our busyness instead of our godliness. Number three, we start to focus on our habits instead of our hearts. You hear me? We start to focus on our knowledge of the Word of God instead of our obedience to the Word of God. Watch this. And we start to focus on our spiritual age instead of our spiritual hunger. Now watch this, watch this. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were constantly upset with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus would not hang around with them. They were full of spiritual ritual. Jesus hung around the spiritual hungry. In his day were the publicans and the sinners. And what agitated the religious crowd of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that Jesus would not hang with them, but he hung out with sinners and publicans. Why? Because they were hungry to have the truth and to be set free from whoever held them in captivity. You hear what I'm saying? And Jesus today is recognizing that we need to be refurbished and refreshed in our spirits because the farther we get from that first encounter, something dies and we need to put our hunger on display again and say, I want it back. Now, you hear what I'm saying? Okay? The second reason there's a sound is number one, as I said, because God wants us to recognize something dies within us and he wants to revive it. But the second reason is God is looking for someone by through whom he which might put himself on display. See, God's a spirit. And for God to impact the world, he has to put his spirit in humanity. That's why even God in all his power couldn't make a difference in saving the world until he put his spirit through his son in a body like you and I, and he died as a man to bring healing and deliverance to mankind that we could be free. What's God trying to do? He's put your spirit in us that the church would rise up and be his agent to make a difference in the world. That we not sit paralyzed in our little church doing nothing but blessing ourselves when we're called to be his agent to make a difference within the world. You with me? With me okay? And so we need to recognize he is searching now in the midst of what my wife talked about, chaos everywhere. I was just in India. The law has been passed. The white man like me cannot speak in churches anymore, and it's being pushed now, or pardon me, it was passed that they could not have crusades in the nation of India. But now it's being pushed that we cannot even go into churches. The last time I had to report to the police going to India, I've been going for 32 years to India. Things are changing. We're living in a different world and we can't be naive to it. Things are drastically changing. Our rights and our privileges are being removed from us. And we recognize in the midst of what might look like hell, God is saying, is there a church in Moncton that will rise up and put their hunger on display? that we're going to let the power of God come in inside of us, that we might be his instruments, his vessels, that he wants to use to impact this city. He's looking for churches. He's looking for people that are not just going to do their Sunday morning little thing, but they're going to rise up and say, God, stir 
my spirit. Because he wants somewhere, watch now, to put his hunger on display. There's probably some Newfoundlanders here. Please don't get offended at me, but I was speaking over in St. John's a while back. They put me in a hotel down in the downtown area. I went out for a walk, and I was walking down the street, kind of by the water there in the harbor, whatever. And I went by a men's store. And I stopped for a moment, and I couldn't believe it. They had mannequins there with suits on, whatever, but I'm telling you, the stuff seemed like to me it was back in the 1800s. I couldn't believe they had that. I mean, I mean there was nothing there that was attractive at all. I, I wouldn't even waste my time to open the door to go into that place. But I've been in other places where the mannequins been out. I had no intention of buying a tie. I had no intention of buying a, a jacket or whatever. But I walked by and something that was on display caught my eye. And something made me turn. wasn't the devil. Something made me turn and walk into that place. And I said, sir, I want that tie that's on that mannequin out there. Because when there's something out there that catches your eye, there's something inside. i got to have it. And what God's trying to say, the world is looking for something that's so real and genuine that can transform their lives, that they're looking to church and all they're thinking is, that's a place where a bunch of people don't even know themselves if they enjoy what they have. But when they find that the church is something that they need, you're going to have them in here. They're going to come because you've got something they need. But if we're not displaying the proper thing, they're not going to want it. We have to display life. We have to recognize that we're not to sit here and say, oh God, I, can't, I hope you come tomorrow because I, I don't know if I can hang on. We need to live with victory in our hearts. We had a woman several years come into our church when everything was flying high and she was highly sophisticated. She sat in the church on a Sunday night. I'll never forget the story. I think my brother preached that night and after the service, because I'm kind of friendly, I went down, I was great, great hands with everybody. And I, I said, ma'am, it's good to have you here. I, I, I believe you're a visitor. She said, yes, I am. I'm a visitor. I said, well, I hope you enjoyed the service tonight. And then I started to ask some questions I don't ask anymore. I said, how did you enjoy the worship? She said, it was okay. Then I asked the most ridiculous question I should ask. How did you enjoy the preaching? Well, she said, it was okay. But then she looked at me, their eyes staring at me. She said, what's in these people sitting in these pews? I mean, they're jumping up, shouting, hey, man, and hell yeah. They're excited. They're on the, on the aisles dancing. What's in them? What's going in? She said, I go to church every Sunday, and I never see people alive like that. I never see people excited. Go, what's in them? See, she wasn't stirred by the worship nor by the words. She was stirred. What's in them? You see, you have no idea when people come to this church, it might not be what's on the platform. It's what's in you. What's alive in you? And she looked at me with a sparkle in her eye. And she said, I have no idea what's in them, but I'll be back next Sunday because i got to find out what's in them. What's in them? I'll tell you what's in them. The power of the Spirit of God. They're excited about their God. It wasn't, oh, God, we're in church in the, in the last game of the hockey band. We, I hope that preacher lets us out. We go, hooey, hooey, hockey don't make a difference in eternity. What we're dealing with here is a city that needs to know God, a province that needs to have revival, a nation that needs to be revived and stirred. And God's saying, is anybody hungry? anybody hungry that's what God's looking for because when we get hungry and alive with the Spirit of God we can make a difference because as I said earlier we become contagious with the life and the power of God within our lives to make a difference well you said all oh, that pastor Ted was the Word of God say this is what I found out on that plane drew me to the Word of God and I recognize there are things that happen 
only because somebody put their hunger display. I want to give them to you real quick. I can't give them all. I'm just going to give it to you. To let you know that the word of God was not given for stories. It was given to stir something in our hearts. The first one is found in Mark chapter 10. We all know the story. But as I said this morning, we need to know the principle behind the story. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus. The Bible says that Jesus went into Jericho and came out of Jericho. Listen to me carefully. Jesus was not looking for a blind man to heal. Now listen to me. He was not looking. He didn't get up the morning and say, well, I've got to find a blind man. i just got to show the power of my father. i got to find him. He, did not, he was not looking for a blind man. And as he walked out of Jericho to make his way, there was a blind man at the side of the road. Luke chapter 18 tells us, it says this, and when he heard the sound of the people, he asked the question, what is going on? And they then said, Jesus is passing by. When he heard, when he heard, he didn't hear Jesus. He heard the crowd that was excited traveling with Jesus. They're talking, well, did you see that miracle yesterday? Did you see how he talked to them? Did, did you see what was going on? He heard the crowd that was with Jesus. And when he heard the crowd, it made him ask the question, what is happening? Because he could not see it. And so they told him Jesus passing by. He probably heard what Jesus was and what Jesus did. And he knew this was his moment. See, listen very carefully. When what's on the road is no different than what's in the ditch of the road, then what's in the ditch of the road will never cry out for what's on the road. Can I translate that? When the church that's on the road is not alive and excited about their God, no one's going to shout out, we want what you have, if there's not excitement in us that we have it. But if we who are on the road, and there's a sound about us, Someone on the side of the road is going to cry out for what's on the road. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, the only problem he had, he had blind eyes. He was stuck. He had good feet. He could walk. He had hands. Obviously, he could talk, but he couldn't see. He was stuck. Many of us are stuck because of one thing that God wants to
I didn't even know. <laughs> Boy, now I really put my hunger on display. He put his hunger on display and God gave him a miracle. Mark chapter 6. Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to go. See, this is stuff. I, I read these things many times. never saw what I'm going to share with you. These things. He said to the disciples, I want you to go to the other side. They get in a boat, go to the other side. They get in a storm, and Jesus sees them in the storm. And the Bible says, and he comes walking on the water. And when they saw him, they saw him, but they did not know who it was. And when they saw him, they cried out because Jesus acted like he was going to walk right by them. Read it. He was walking right by them. They were, they were screaming out. I don't know what they were saying. They thought it was a ghost. But they're probably screaming, oh, Jesus, we need you now. How come you're up in the mountain praying? We need you now. He just walked right by them. And because he walked right by them, there was a desperation. And that's a ghost that's probably going to eat us, and I don't know what it's going to do. And they cried out. And when they cried out and put their hunger in display, Jesus spoke to the waves and said, peace be still. You see, sometimes God might be walking by you that you might not understand. You might think he doesn't love you and whatever. Could it be that God's walking by you because he's trying to stir something in your heart that you put your hunger in display? Because God focuses in where there's the hunger, he'll start to do something. You hear what I'm saying? Just read it. Go home tonight and read it. He was walking like he was going to right, go right by them. God did something supernatural because someone cried out. God stopped the storm and he got in and began to talk to them. Something changed. Because somebody put their hunger on display. Phenomenal. Let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. There's two that we know were on the road to Emmaus. They were waking their way home discouraged and felt they had found the Messiah, the Savior that was going to change everything. He was put on a cross and died. And they're walking home defeated and to feel like everything's over. And Jesus comes walking on and said, hey, boys, what are you talking about? And they said, well, don't you know what's taking place? And he said, what, 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 what took place? They said, well, there was this one we followed. We thought was this Messiah. He did great miracles and signs and wonders. And they put him across and killed him. And, and we put our whole lives in that. It's all gone. Said, oh, is that so? Is that what happened? And, and they went, kept talking. They, and they kept going with them. And they came to the house. And they said, well, we got to go now in this place. And Jesus said, well, I got to go myself. Now, watch this. They asked, said to Jesus, we got to go to our house. And Jesus said, well, i got to keep on going somewhere. And at that moment, they said, they, the Bible says, and they constrained him, please don't go. you got to come because we want to talk to you a little bit more. Because of our time, I can't build the story. But because they pleaded with him, they put their hunger in display. Don't go now. Don't leave us. Jesus walks into their house, and as they break bread, their eyes are open. They recognize who he was. That would have never happened. But they cried out. They put their hunger display. Jesus, you can't leave us now. They didn't know it was him, but you've got to come and sit in our house. And when he came and sat there, because they put their hunger display, something changed. How hungry are you 
So I've asked that question myself in my, in my life. How hungry are you, Ted? Because when we're hungry, we put our hunger on display because we recognize God's going to do something. And what God's trying, I'm saying it for the third time, God's trying to resurrect the hunger in the church because when we get hunger, hungry for the things of God, there's something that's going to rise within us that the world's going to want. You know the verse that just penetrates my heart is found in Mark chapter 2 where it says this, and when they heard Jesus was in the house, they could not contain the crowd. I wonder sometimes if we're just singing about him, talking about him, because if he was here, Moncton would be here, because they know if Jesus is in the house, there's someone there that can perform miracles. There's someone that can straighten up my kid. There's someone that can restore my marriage. There's someone that can do what I can never do, because Jesus is in the house. And there's a cry in my heart now, Lord, don't let us just sing about you, talk about you. But God, my desire is that you're in the house, because when he's in the house, you won't have to spend a whole lot of money in advertising. Would you come? Would you come? They'll find out that there's someone in that house that can straighten out my mess. There's someone in that house that can heal my home. There's there's someone in that house who can do great and mighty things and they'll come when they know Jesus in the house and I'm saying oh God let us put our hunger on display that you will walk in the midst of that all mountain will know there's a church down there there's something I can't explain but there's someone in there that's doing great and mighty things his name is Jesus because we put our hunger on display they'll walk in and God will do something supernatural within their lives Luke chapter 19 the story of a man, his name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had kind of a limitation. He was a short little guy. He's a little guy like down this. He just was always short. He was a wealthy man. He was a tax collector. And he heard that, here again, he heard that Jesus was coming. He's a guy that probably drove a Ferrari. He's probably a guy that wore designer clothes. He probably lived in a big house because he was wealthy. And he recognized at the moment, if I let this moment pass, I may never have it again. How am I going to see him? Because the crowd's blocking him. I can't get close to him. He's never going to see me. And so he runs down the street, and he climbs up into a tree. Imagine. Imagine. He climbs up in a tree. Jesus walks by, and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, because you put your hunger in display, I'm coming to your house. Nobody else got Jesus to come to their house. He came because someone said, I don't care if I'm up here in my Armani suit. I don't care what somebody thinks. I'm climbing the tree because I need something that man's got. And when he put his hunger on display, things were changed. What about the woman in Luke chapter 7? This is one that blows my mind. She was so touched by Jesus that she wanted to get to him. And Jesus had gone to Simon's house because he was invited there by a Pharisee to have a meal. And she walks right into a house where she's not invited. Can you imagine inviting people to your house and, and, and someone walks in and they walk in and they get down and they start washing your, take off your shoes, whatever, and wash your feet with your tears and wipe them with your, with your, with your hair and then anoint him? What are you doing here? You weren't invited. She was willing to put her hunger display to walk in somebody else's house. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because somebody put their hunger on display. God's trying to stir a hunger within us again. Because when we're hungry, we'll get what we want. And I felt the Spirit of God talk to me and said, Ted, when you go to churches, you tell people that what God's looking for is for not to be rattled and sit in a place where we become stagnant in the pew, but we'll start to put our hunger in display that I'm believing that God wants to do something supernatural within our lives. Well, does it work? Well, let me tell you this, and I'm done. I was in a church out in, in Western Canada, a pretty big church, 
asked me to come and speak. It was a Monday night. I spoke in a sermon kind of like this, a few other thoughts, whatever, and I talked about it. I started to preach about putting your hunger in space. It was a Pentecostal church. As I began to speak, I probably, what, 15 minutes? In fact, I was talking about blind Bartimaeus. That's who I was talking about. And while I was talking about it, back in about this section where you're sitting, sir, a man got up, he left his wife, and he walks up to the front and stands right here like this. And I try to ignore him. I've had that happen several times in ministry. I didn't know I was going to get my head knocked off. But I just stood there like this, staring at me. I tried to ignore him, but I recognized the whole congregation was watching him. So finally I stopped and I said, sir, can I help you? He started to break. He said, I can't take it anymore. Oh, boy. What's that mean for me? Then he said this. Listen to me, church. I don't want you to ever forget it. He said, I sit in this church faithfully every Sunday for years and years and years. Every Sunday. Everybody knows me. Everybody knows me. But I am so full of crap on the inside that nobody knows about. And when you start talking about blind Bartimaeus, I don't care what anybody thinks. I can't live like this anymore. And I've come up here to stand here. I can't wait to the end of the message. I'm putting my hunger on display. Everybody's going to know I'm revealing the crap that's been in my life that nobody knew about. Though I sit here every Sunday, faith, and everybody thinks I'm a stalwart saint, but I'm full of crap. I walked over and I just put my hand gently on him because I had to finish my sermon. No, we got to finish it. So I put my hand on him. The power of God hit him. He went down on the floor and just started to weep like a baby. And I stood there for a few seconds and watched the anointing of God come upon him. And all the crap that word he used started to flush out of him. And there was a miracle taking place. And I said, just stay there. Now watch, watch now, watch now. Let me finish, let me finish. I went back because I got to finish my sermon. I got back into my sermon in about two minutes. A young man about 22 years of age that sits every Sunday in that church right here. A big church, sits here every Sunday, raises hands and whatever. He stands up in this side and says, oh boy. Now it's amazing we want things to happen out of the ordinary church. When they happen, we freak out. Right? I notice when, and, and, and I can say this now because I don't pastor church anymore. But I notice everybody liked me when I stayed up here. But the moment I came down and start walking down the aisle, oh, he's getting too close. I don't want him to get down. He's going to see right through me. I don't want him to come. And suddenly they panic and they're starting to be spiritual. They put it in, they don't see me. And this guy sat over here on that front bench every Sunday. He stands up and he says, I got to interrupt you. And I thought, oh man, what's going on here? And that young man that's faithful in that church, he turned and he looked at me and said, Preacher, I can't live with myself anymore. He said, I sit here every Sunday. Have nobody has any. He said, I'm so full of lust. Lust. He said, I don't care anybody thinks any more of me. I need deliverance. I need deliverance. And what was interesting, at the beginning of that service, they were clapping their hands. They sang a song and they're clapping their hands. They keep in beat and rhythm with whatever, and that's good. And then they clap because someone sang a solo and they applauded. That's good. But that's not what clapping's been given to, given to us in the Word of God. Clapping is not to kind of say, wow, we, well, that wasn't that wonderful. We've got away from what it is. Clapping is a weapon. Clapping is a striking of powers and principalities. That when we come 
So I preached it the very same way, but I was believing God for some. Norway is a country that was touched by Pentecost many years ago, but it's become so materialistic-minded that they lost it. The churches are basically dying. And I went over there because I was invited to come to God. I'm going to shirt up at a camp meeting. I'm going to go at it with bold barrels because we're not going to lose Norway. We're not going to let the powers of hell break in. And I preached what I just talked to you about tonight. And when I got to the point I just was about to finish, there was a young couple sitting right over there. And the guy just yelled out, I need it, I need it. And him and, and, and the wife with him, they ran and fell across the front of the floor. That freaked out most Pentecostal people. They were so dry they'd never seen the life of the Spirit. And they just wailed out, God, don't leave me like this. They didn't care if you and I were in the audience. They didn't care what, you, what we thought. They didn't care if, if they looked humiliated in our midst. They just laid down in the front and began to cry out. And as they did, the Holy Spirit walked into that camp meeting room. And God began to do supernatural things. I sat down again. I did not want to get in the way and watch what God did in a place that's dry and barren. It seems like it's burnt over. God walked in and said, hey, I'm not finished with Norway. I'm going to do something great. And when people began to put their hunger in display, God did something supernatural. And my cry is, oh God, in this nation of Canada, do it again. Don't let us just have lollipop Christianity Will be enough to survive when God wants to give us enough to make a difference. God is sparking something in this house that this church will rise up. And I'm telling you, my friend, if you'll put your hunger in display, you'll be amazed what God will walk in and do. And you'll just see the glory and the power and the might and the greatness and the honor of him who sits on the throne. For I will walk in, saith God, and I will revive what you thought could never live. And I will restore that which is buried for when I come, saith God, I come with power, I come with anointing, I come with a thrust to revive and restore, and I can take even what is dead and bring it to life again if there's somebody who will put their hunger on display. What about us? What about us? Does God just want that in Norway? Does God just want that in a province in western Canada? Or does God want to touch New Brunswick? You see, it's not difficult. It's just looking for who's willing to put their hunger on display. Because when that begins to rise in our spirits, God's going to do supernatural things. The devil can't hold back God. It's our lack of hunger that hinders what he wants to do. And by prayers, God, break our sophistication. Break our pride. God, that somehow in the maritimes, that we'll put our hunger on display again. And I guarantee you, he'll walk in the midst. For the last time I read the Bible in Hebrews, it says, for he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why I preach the way I do. I've had all kinds of people say, Pastor Ted, you're going to kill yourself. When I played hockey, this is how I played. I played to win. I had players that said they just played because they enjoyed it. I'd fire them off the team. We don't play just to enjoy it. I played to win. I was more upset with my wingers than I was with the opponents that were up against them. If a winger wasn't up to take the pass from me, I let him have it when he came to the bench. And I said, God, I didn't want to go into ministry when I answered the call 47 years ago. I said, God, if I go into ministry, I'm going to preach with the same intensity I played hockey. 
Because, God, I'm not going in just to babysit a church. Neither am I going just to dedicate babies and bury the dead, the old, and kind of bury the young. I'm going into a church to believe we can pull down strongholds and the powers of principalities shall be broken. That, God, you're going to do something great. And at 68 years of age, I'm preaching with the same intensity. If I die that way, I'm going to die that way. I'm going to die fighting because I tell you, God's about to do something great. And he's first rising up and saying, is there somebody? Is there somebody? They'll say, God, it's my time now. It's our turn now. We've watched what the devil has done, but now it's our time to see what God's going to do. And God said, I want to do it, but i got to find someone I can work through. And if there's somebody with a hunger, he's going to rise up. He's going to walk into our midst. He's going to do great and mighty things. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask tonight, oh God, that the pastors call us together to seek your presence and to get our fill. God, I'm asking tonight that somehow the trapments of the past, the discouragements, the setbacks, that God, is there someone who will put their hunger on display? And that tonight, God, we're going to make a declaration that we're going to go for everything that you want to give us. I pray, Lord, there will not be one person who will be hindered. And God, I'm not trying to redo the thing you did in Western Canada and Norway, but what I'm asking for tonight is that, God, that somewhere we'd be willing to say that, Lord, I'm going to put my hunger on display, that, God, you can start to work through me and do whatever you want, and that, Lord, I repent of my password. Maybe I've lost it, but tonight, oh, God, I'm asking that you restore my hunger because, Lord, when we put our hunger on display, you want to do something great in the midst of us. So, Holy Spirit, would you walk down to these aisles? I'm asking you to walk through these seats. May none of us be looking at somebody else. But may we search our own hearts. God, we want you in Moncton. We want you in our church. We want you in our lives. We want you in our kids. We want you in our homes. God, tonight I pray that your word will stir something of faith in our hearts. That God shall do something. Hungry, Lord. I'm hungry, Lord, for you. Thirsty, Lord. I'm thirsty, Lord, for you. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. God, would you make that the prayer of our hearts tonight? Father, I've given him my best shot. I try to put everything into it. But I'm asking for you to come, Holy Spirit. Let this be a moment. to kick another sermon. But awaken a hunger. God, as I stand here tonight, awaken it afresh in me. That every day and every moment I'll hunger for you.
In my trials, may I hunger. In my battles, may there be a hunger. That my prayer will be, Lord, don't leave me. Don't leave me just with enough to get to heaven when you gave me enough to make a difference in the earth. God, move in this room to bind every power and principality, every hindered spirit. This is your time, Lord. We take authority over every spirit of the past that's crushed, that is broken, that has left some of us spiritually paralyzed. We take authority over tonight. We're not going to be ordinary. We're putting our hunger on display. There's moms and dads here that got up way with kids. I'm telling you, mom and dad, don't let it go. There's grandparents here. You've watched even your own kids and your kids' kids walk away from what you stood for and fought for. And you've wondered, is it everything going to change? I'm here telling you tonight, put your hunger on display. Some of you are sick in my body. God is saying to you, put your hunger on display. For I'm still the healer. I'm still the one that says that by my stripes you shall be healed. I'm the one that declares he sent his word and healed them of all their sicknesses and diseases. You say, I've got this oppression in my mind. I just feel the enemy's weighing down. I want to tell you, my friend, you put your hunger in play. He's still the deliverer. He can walk in and bring deliverance. He can set the captive free. He can let the church rise up again. God, I'm asking by your spirit. On this weekend, that the leadership of this house said, we're making room for your presence. God, I'm not trying to stir emotions. I'm trying to get down in hearts. Let this be our moment. Then I'm not going to push. But if God has spoken to your heart and you're willing to put something on display, it might be, in fact, this is what I wanted to be, just get out of your seat. See, the altar is not just a place that we kind of make it. It all is a place of exchange. We're coming to exchange the, the stuff that I have for what he has. That's what an altar is. I give my weakness to gain his strength. I give my death that I might receive his life. I give my hopelessness that I might receive his hope. And God is speaking to this house for something bigger than just blessing us. That you might be a blessing to this city. Lord, some of us haven't wept for a long time. Our hearts just become calloused. Some of us haven't pressed for a long time. And God, I'm asking tonight that before we go, that God will allow you to press in and do something in our spirits. In the name of Jesus, I want you to sing a song. God is speaking to your heart. Don't hesitate. Because, friend, God wants everybody to put their hunger in his play. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, by the Son of the living God, that it's not been a part of your life, that tonight, no matter what, you're going to get out of your seat and you're going to come and stand here for a few minutes. And I want you, when you come, to raise your hands and say, God, I surrender to you. 
that I'm putting my hunger back on display. I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know what it looks like. But God, I know we need you in our church. We need you in our lives. We need you in our homes. We need you to come. We don't care what anybody thinks. We don't care what somebody's going to say. But God, we're going to come and say, God, we cry out to you tonight. I'm asking you tonight, friend, when God's awakening something that in the name of Jesus, did you not stay in the place of death, but you rise up and say, this is a moment. Would you respond? You don't have to do it for me. But let this be a moment. You take it. And we're going to believe God together. I want you to raise your hands. I want you to say, God, I yield. I want you to let it out. In the name of Jesus.